Yo, yo, another week, another fight podcast. As always, it's your boy, Mehran. I'm here with the illustrious Dave. What's up, man? Oh, guys. It is 10.47 on Saturday night, October 10th, at the time of recording this. So if something's happened on Sunday that's crazy and we didn't hear about it, that's why. It's been a nice night of fights, man. It's been fun. Yeah, you know, Bellator had an early card um, in the afternoon, and then the UFC had an early-ish card. You know, I think it started at 6. It started, started at 6 with the prelims and 8 yeah. at the main card, yeah. Yeah, with a lot, there's a lot of finishes. It was it was exciting, man. Yeah. And uh, but before we get into that, did you want to talk about the boxing from yesterday? Uh, yeah. So the um, Shakur Stevenson moved up to uh, super featherweight, vacating his WBO title, and then uh, Emmanuel Navarrete, who was the super bantamweight WBO titleist, moved up to fight um, Ruben Villa, Villa for the vacant belt, and it was. An interesting fight. Um, I think this was the first time that I've personally seen Navarrete fight someone that could really box. And it really showed how awkward he was. He dominated. He won. Yeah, I was saying he won, right? I was like, I was watching the fight. It was just so strange to watch him fight. (laughs) Yeah, he does does look kind of weird. He just tears through guys, so you don't really get to see how, like, awkward he is but like you know the first knockdown he threw that uppercut from hell <laughs> yeah basically and it's like it's just like he does a lot of like you know tim bradley and andre war were saying it a lot too and kind of like a cliche man but it was like he does everything wrong but it works yeah he does it looks wrong like it yeah. doesn't look like it should be generating power it doesn't look like he sh- it looks like he should be getting hit yeah. with the way he's fighting and you know ruben villa is a very talented kid you know he's um he's very young he's like 23 um decorated amateur he's beat he uh he beat Shakur Stevenson twice in the amateurs actually he's beat Devin Haney he beat Stephen Fulton so he is quite decorated yeah like okay um but you know I think he just wasn't it's just a bad style matchup for like a technical boxer like that yeah and it's kind of a, a lot kind of early in his pro career too to be honest right yeah. i know he's a decorated amateur but the pros are the pros for a reason yeah yeah, yeah i mean he had i think he was 23 24 and oh i think okay maybe yeah. i'm like i could be way off with that but he's had a fair amount of fights if i'm at, not mistaken at but, that young that many pro fights and that much amateur fights that's kind of crazy yeah yeah i was uh, watching no, he, was eight, he was 18 and oh 18 and 0. I was I was watching the fight today because I didn't catch it on Friday. And yeah, the awkwardness definitely stands out. The little bit of herky jerkiness, I feel like. Just very uh not what you'd expect from like a fluid boxer, you know? Yeah, and it's just it's just weird. It, I'm always interested in how they find guys like that. Like these just like anomaly sort of like guys. I always wonder if it's like people who have bad habits in the gym that just refuse to change. Cause I've met a couple guys who just have bad habits when it comes to fighting and they refuse to change. Like they just continue to train those quote unquote bad habits and it ends up working for them mm-hmm. just through sheer repetition. If yeah. that makes sense. And I wonder if that's what happens. It's like you walk into the gym, you throw the punch wrong. The coach tries to correct you. You don't correct it, but you don't stop showing up either. <laughs> So maybe that's the reason why it works for them. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I think he hit the featherweight division at a really good time. Cause there's, there's going to be like, um, I think Gary Russell's moving up, but if he, if he doesn't, I think Gary Russell probably beats him. But yeah. Um, you know, there's Josh Warrington, who's basically like, I don't want to be offensive, but he's like a glorified club fighter to me. He's not that good. Okay. He's just—he's high. He just builds a lot of punches. And yeah. He outworks people, but I think that I think that would make for a fun fight with Emmanuel Navarrete, and the same with uh, um, Shu Khan, who's the WBA titleist there. He so he also, now has the WBO belt, right? That was what yes. he was fighting for, yeah. WBO. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of fun fights for him at the featherweight division, and it's also not as talent laden as other divisions. So I think he could be pretty dominant there. I think. There's room for him to get a streak going. Yeah. Uh, did you want to talk about Truck at all? Because I think that was a great performance. Yeah, it was. Um, 
uh, truck is Lorenzo Simpson. He's another Baltimore Calvin Ford product. Um, and you know, Baltimore. he um, he signed to uh, I believe it's Mac the King. If I'm not mistaken, so. MTK. Yeah, yeah MTK. And yeah. he was their first American signing ever. You know, really? Up, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, even you know, they ended up signing Jamel Herring like maybe like three weeks later. But yeah, okay. he was their first American signing. And, you know, he doesn't have a promoter, so he's kind of free to, like, go wherever he wants. So he was on a top-ranked card this time after being on a bunch of PBC cards prior. Yeah, it was really good to see him fight and fight well. Uh, like, I just thought it was a pretty dominant performance. And Yeah, except for that for bullshit him. knockdown. Yeah, well, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, I think the only thing that I might be a little concerned about is Early on, he showed a lot of power, but I feel like as he's been stepping up in competition a little bit, his power is not all there. It wanes in the later rounds. Yeah. I wonder if that's a result of the cut. I'm not sure. Yeah, he's a. I don't. I wouldn't say he's tall. a big kid, but he he's looks tall. like he he looks right for that division. He doesn't look like he's huge. No, he doesn't. But he's, he's very, tall. He's very cut up. Yeah. There's yeah. not a lot more for him to lose. Like he mm-hmm. couldn't cut any more. Yeah. Right, that is the right place for him to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good card overall. Um, but is there anything else you wanted to mention from that card before we move on? Um, no, there's a few, just like a little quick touches. Um, Elvis Rodriguez, um, he is a Dominican fighter uh, with Freddie Roach, and he looked incredible last night. He's been on a tear lately. And then there's a, a Philly kid, Rashim Jefferson, who yeah, um, I saw people tweeting about him. Yeah, he's really he's a really good. You know, he's a he looks like a Philly style fighter. Philly you know, style very, fighter, very exactly. slick, uh, great combinations. Not a lot of power. I think he he yeah he's unique and he made his debut in the bubble. He's three and zero, so he's had he's had more pro fights without crowds than with crowds, obviously. Yeah, but, that's kind of wild. <laughs> um, he hasn't shown a lot of power, but he's definitely shown a lot of finesse and skill. And I like him. He's I believe he fights at he fights at featherweight or super featherweight, and he's really tall for that division too. So whatever division he's at, I think it's I think it's one thirty though. But yeah, so I'm looking forward to see more of him. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to look him up because I watched. I mean, I, yeah, I told you I watched the card today, uh, and so I saw his fight, and I was like, I don't know who this is, but it's it's he's fun to watch. Yeah, but that's really it from that. Yeah, um, I know on the Bellator card you said MVP one, right? Yeah, it was pretty uneventful. Cool. Yeah, I mean, shout outs to France for finally having their first MMA event ever, which is kind of weird to think about that you waited till 2020 to have your first MMA event ever. Um, especially because, like, I feel like France could be a place where MMA could thrive. Yeah, I mean, that's um, what's his name? Francis Ngannou trains uh, out of France. I was gonna um, say Ngannou trains Cyril out of France. Cyril Gain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a kind of a lackluster performance from MVP. Uh, he kind of strikes me as like, I don't want to compare him to Anderson Silva, but you know how when they were talking about Anderson had that little run where he was kind of like just beating guys, but it wasn't like eventful. It, wasn't, it didn't look amazing. It was just yeah. like, yeah, he won. Of course yeah. he won. That was kind of, that's kind of how it looked. I um, think that's part of, partly because they, the style of MVP is kind of like a point, not point fighting, but like very much like a, almost hit and just like move around hit and move around so almost point fighting yeah you know and he he gets a lot of a lot of his knockouts come from like the speed yes yeah not in speed much. and accuracy yeah. not necessarily power yeah so it's like if you got a guy that can take it it kind of gets to like us like what you're saying it's like a point fighting kind of thing yeah it was cool i didn't watch the heavyweight fight though i didn't watch it either yeah. so we'll talk about that later so on to Fight Island 5, which was very exciting. Um, I think we want to start with that knockout by, uh, what's his name, Buckley? Which one? <laughs> oh, yes. Which one? First of all, there oh, were yeah. a million. Yeah. But I think uh, that uh, was what's, insane. Yeah, what's got Twitter ablaze right now is uh, Buckley, um, he hits, I don't know how to pronounce the guy's name, Impa Kasa, Kasana guy? Kas, mm, I have to learn that. Uh, his first name's Impa, though. Basically... Impa catches the kick, and as he catches the kick, Buckley does a 360 and uses the other kick to kick him in the face while he's still <laughs> holding his leg. 
<laughs> it was like some, it was like something out of a movie. It was completely out of a movie. It's like it's literally a Jackie Chan move. So when I, I was listening to Dan Hardy sort of break it down, and he was saying that like, again, I don't know a lot about MMA. So he was saying that he, when he caught the kick, that sort of like what what he was doing, you're supposed to like spin him away from you. Yes, you are. And so, the guy used the momentum from him trying to spin him to sort of get more torque on the mm-hmm. other kick, which I was like, that's kind of crazy to like, like, do you practice that? Like, like, how did he figure so, out that he could even do that? I feel, that's just creativity one, like, like right there. But like, you are supposed to, when you grab a kick, you are supposed to spin them away. Cause if you spin them towards you, they can hit you with an elbow. They can, that you, you basically are giving them the space that they wanted. Right. Mm-hmm. So he caught it and he's been away. The interesting thing is he did catch it underhanded or like not overhanded. What is this? Like usually you catch it like this, supinated. He caught it like pronated. But that's like not a big deal. And when he he caught it and he was spinning away and the guy was just ready and shifted his hips beautifully and did a spinning kick. And that's and obviously Dan Hardy's really smart and a good fighter. So he knows shit like this. But like that's how he generated all his power because, because of that spin. Yeah, and it was so clean too. He kicked them and like they used the momentum to sort of just like walk off. <laughs> I just it was so accurate too, right? Like yeah. I feel like you're in the air, you don't know where his face is. He hit him right in the at least the eyes just went blank. So it was beautiful, man. If you guys didn't watch that, that might be that's easily the knockout of the year. Yeah, I can't see anything beating that. Um, and then like there was just a bunch of other great fights on this card, like that Rothwell fight was crazy. Uh, I forgot the name of the guy he lost to already. Let me check. Oh, Marcin Tabura. Marcin Tabura, yeah. That was like dirty boxing, heavyweight dirty boxing, yeah, which is always like, interesting. If you like heavyweight dirty boxing slobber knockers, <laughs> Yo. That, that's the one for you. And it was actually like they were putting together combinations and everything. It was entertaining. Yeah, like, it was fun. And at the end, like uh, – he got the takedown and then after he got the takedown just almost two minutes of ground and pound and that's how he won it but after that i think the the next round the next fight rather of edson barboza at featherweight man that was fun to watch i know you had some thoughts on that you want to talk about it yeah he looks you know when we first saw him move down we were all, whenever you see a fighter move down in weight it's always concerning. You're just like, hmm, is this a good idea? Can you yeah. cut even more? Okay. But, you know, the, when, we, when we saw him against Danny Gabe, it was like, yeah, oh, you know, he doesn't look, he didn't look drained. He looked normal. Right. And I think he even looked better this time. Today. Yes, yeah. he did. I think so, too. Yeah, so. you know, he know maybe stronger. Just, yeah, keeping his weight down maybe a little better. Mm-hmm. But um, he looked really good. I think it was just, you know, this is one of those fights where it's like, it's just levels. Totally. And I think levels is the best way to describe it. Like Amir Khani was fighting well and had a pretty good game plan. He was going to try and, you know, control the outside foot and try to set things up so that when Barboza kicked, he would counter. Like it was very obvious what his game plan was, very solid. But Barboza's like, look, I'm a vet. I've been here a long time. I know what I'm doing. And, you know, going back to, I think we were talking about uh, MVP and sort of this, how he doesn't necessarily have a lot of power, but he has a lot of speed and accuracy. I think Barboza has that times 10, right? It's not that Barboza isn't powerful. It's that he doesn't need to be. His speed and his accuracy with his strikes is ridiculous. I think there's very few people in the world who were better at placing the strike where it needs to be as fast as he does. Yeah, you know, we were talking about... um Izzy's sort of like hip feints. Yes. Barboza's hip feints are beautiful. Like you can so tell nice. how you can tell how fast he is from the hip feint. Because it just pops out so fast. And it doesn't look like a well, it looks like a feint, but it doesn't look like a feint. It just yeah. looks like part of his natural movement, right? Yeah. And I think that's what makes it so good with Izzy. Like, yes, obviously he's a great striker, super high level, et cetera, et cetera. But you can tell it's a feint to a certain extent. Like mm-hmm. when you watch, you're like, oh yeah, there's the feint. With Barbosa, sometimes even just watching it, you'll miss the feint because his movement is so fluid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Izzy, I think it's a little more technical and a little, a little like he definitely is graceful and don't get me wrong, you know, dancer, all that other good stuff. But whereas Izzy is like super technical and you can point out like, oh, there's the feint. 
there's that as you watch it back when you watch back Barboza, it's like a dance. And every time he hit cracks, it's just like the, the peak of that dance, if that makes sense. And that yeah. was, it was so cool to watch, man. Yeah. He's going to do some damage at Featherweight. I don't know. Yeah, man. He's going to do some damage. I don't know who he's fighting next. He's ranked 14. Yeah, because he wasn't ranked when he fought Ige because he was Which moving down. Makes sense. He um, was moving down. But I feel like, you know, you should give the veterans some, some respect. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's going to move up a lot. Um, I would be interested in maybe seeing a rematch, but I'm not sure with Ige. But I think he his style and how, like, relatively open that division is, it's going to be mm-hmm. fun. It is going to be fun. And one thing that was cool about, I think, Barboza is we saw – you know, Amir Khani is a strong guy. He wanted the takedowns. He got the takedowns towards the end of the round. But Barboza did defend a lot of them very well. I think the strength is also translating mm-hmm. down. And I, I think when I, when I saw him defend the takedowns, like, it was just with pure strength that he was defending them. It wasn't even necessarily like a super technical defense. It was just like, nope, I'm stronger than you. I can move you out the way. Yeah. And so that... I think is going to be a factor as he goes up as well. Cause he, he's strong enough to hang with the big guys. Yeah, I yeah. wish he would have gotten that finish though. I wish he would have finished those submissions. Yeah, he, uh, uh, Americani is tough. Yes. He, he took a lot of hit. He took a lot of hits and he took a lot of hits that resulted in him getting knocked down. Like, I, think it was I don't like know how he kept getting up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of them, one of them, he got into like a clinch situation, not clinch situation, like a ground Situation. Yeah, he was able to sort of like wear it off a little bit, but yeah, it's tough. And so to the main event, which has a lot of implications and was very, very entertaining, um, Corey Sanhagen versus Marlon Moraes. That was a good fight, man. Mm-hmm. On Sanhagen's part, that was a beautiful, beautiful performance. Yeah, it was interesting to hear Marlon say before the fight that he wanted Dominic Cruz. But he couldn't get him. Dominic didn't want to fight him, so he was fighting the better version of Dominic Cruz. I don't know if I would go that far. I, yeah, I don't know if I'd say that yet. But, you know, it was a very Cruz-esque performance, I think. Yes, I agree. I think I think that's an apt comparison. I, one of the things that you were texting me while we were watching this fight is Corey Sanhagen actually uses his height, which very few... MMA fighters use their height appropriately, and you're right. Corey Sanhagen actually uses it correctly. Mm-hmm. Like he uses he, it to, go ahead. He, he was able to establish the range perfectly. Like, and, then, you know, I was telling you before, I was like, oh, I don't really like how Marlon was sort of reaching with that overhand because that's what a lot of small guys do when they're facing tall guys. They're like, they rely on those, like, overhand Over strikes. those big looping shots, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like, you know, if he – and he was getting out. Uh, Corey Sanhagen was getting out the way of him pretty easily. So what mm-hmm. I'll say, what I'll say about Marlon is this: he, every time he landed, it meant a lot more than when Sanhagen landed until the end, obviously, mm-hmm. because when when he was landing, it was moving Corey. Mm-hmm. Like I could see, it was definitely moving Corey, but he wasn't able to do that consistently. Part of the reason is because number one, you're right, he was reaching. But number two, because he does most of his work in the mid range and not in the pocket, he's not used to going inside which is weird right because you know he's short so you think he would be but because he's fighting at such a light weight he's fighting people who are relatively close to his size Corey, like you said actually uses his height correctly unlike a lot of other people and so that presented huge problems for him you know yeah you know he looked you know marlon looked good early against like jose aldo who is similar Mm -hmm. to his size and, you know, obviously he stopped Aljo, but Aljo is a wrestler, so he gets into that He sort gets of range. into the range, yeah. yeah. And, but, you know, Corey was just able to establish the distance and so just, you know, pick his shots. And, you know, he, he hammered that lead leg, he hammered the body, and he was just able to catch him. And, you know, after the fight he was saying, like, oh, I called out the orbital bone thing to sort of throw him off. And, you know, I guess it worked. And, you know, maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. Yeah. But, like, you know, I didn't know he had that uh, spinning heel kick in his bag like that. He said he added it during quarantine by practicing on the bob, which is like that stationary punching bag that's shaped like a human. 
You can't really hit it too hard, otherwise it's going to fall down. But you do kicks like that and tricks like that on it, kind of. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting that he said that. He was like, yeah, practice it on the bob, practice it during quarantine because you you can't really do much on it other than that. It's like, I think he also practiced like using holding like TKD pads, like the little like kick pads and things. And yeah, it's been a relatively recent addition and just really cool to watch. I do wonder if Corey Sanhagen the reason he uses his height so well is because he doesn't concern himself with the grappling as much, right? Mm-hmm. He's not interested in grappling you. He's interested in keeping you a distance and pot shotting you. Yeah. And he be- uses his grappling is more of a defensive defensive thing. thing. Yeah. I think, you know, I think he has at least one submission. I think he does too. I'm not saying he doesn't use it at all. I'm saying, yeah. but definitely I think one of the reasons he uses his height well is because he, he understands like his game will be on the outside and he doesn't even bother trying to like mix in the in and out stuff. Right. Oh yeah. He had that crazy arm bar against Batista. I remember that. Um, but yeah. So in terms of like ramifications for the division, this is kind of big, right? Because what we have coming up next for this division is Aljamain Sterling versus Peter Yan for the belt. Um, and that's obviously a huge fight. Aljo has already beaten Sanhagen. But I think regardless of who wins, whether it's Aljo or Jan, and we think it's going to be Aljo, Sanhagen's probably going to get the first, uh, first title defense challenge, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he said that he thinks that Frankie is ahead of him, which he's not in the rankings. He said the only two people that he think could have a stronger case are Frankie and TJ Dillashaw, but respectfully that he deserves it more than both of them, which I agree. Yeah. Because TJ Dillashaw's a cheater. <laughs> and Frankie Edgar hasn't beat enough people yet to be ahead of him. Yeah. Frankie beat, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rivera? Was yeah, I think something like that. Like, okay. Pedro Munoz. Let me amend that statement. Frankie has beaten many people in his career. I meant like as of now to get in for the belt. Yeah. <laughs> right? It was Pedro Munoz. That's what Pedro Munoz. Okay. Munoz. Um, okay. But yeah, I wouldn't. I think you have to give it to Sanhagen. I think the only reason why you wouldn't in like the UFC's eyes would be because if Aljo won, it would look weird. I think to the UFC, not to us. But to the UFC. Dude, no, I understand. Like, oh, yeah. He's one fight removed from getting stopped in 30 seconds from this guy. But, you know, I think, uh, and I was saying this earlier, I think the rematch between them if it happens, would be a lot different. I don't think he gets taken down in 30 seconds. I think the result is the same, but yeah. I don't think he gets taken down in 30 seconds and beaten like, you know, a ragdoll. Yeah. One thing but, is clear. Aljo is definitely stronger than Sanhagen. However, if Sanhagen can fight like this, where he can mitigate the strength differential in opponents, then we have a, we have a different kind of fight, you know? Right. But, you know, Aljo's a little bit of a different. He's he's not a natural striker like Marlon. Very different style. Striking style, I think, matches up better for a Sanhagen than like a Marlon. Well, I think his his striking style is designed to set up his wrestling. So yes, Mm -hmm. I agree. But what I meant by is like if Corey Sanhagen, Corey Sanhagen is clearly weaker physically than Marlon Moraes in terms of strength, Mm -hmm. right? However. And I don't like, I just mean weaker and pure like strength, not like clearly he's a better fighter. He just whooped his ass. But he is very good clearly at mitigating that difference. If he can mitigate that difference with Aljo by keeping him off of him, we get a different looking fight. However, I still think Aljo takes him down, beats him up, and moves on to the next one. Yeah. Interestingly enough, if you want to throw him to the wolves immediately, I'd like to see TJ against him. I think that's a good fight. I'm curious to see what TJ Dillashaw looks like after this long suspension and sitting out. And I, I think, yes, at, you know, at this weight, you know, at the 135 as opposed to the 125, I think TJ, if he's in TJ form, he might just come in and beat everybody. You Aren't know? teammates? Is he alpha male? Or no, TJ's not alpha male. Isn't he elevation? I yeah, TJ was elevation. TJ is elevation. Sorry, yeah. Alpha Male is the people he had beef with for forever. Yeah, he used to be with Alpha Male. Yeah, and then, and then he left. Yeah. Uh, is well, what's Bang Muay Thai? Is, is that his own team, or is he still? 
I don't know if he's okay, with he Mount- was. He was with Elevation. Yeah, he's with something called the Training Lab, spelled T R E I G N I N G. Yeah, and I don't know what that Huntington is. Beach Ultimate Training Center is that uh is that Tito's? Maybe that's his own gym. Maybe that's yeah. like Bang Muay Thai operates out of, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, cool. I don't know, but you know, it's interesting if. Obviously, these wins are all from a while ago, but like, you know, other than the loss to Henry, he beat Cody back to back. He beat John Linker, Asuncio, lost to Cruz. So, yeah, I guess you could see him coming back and just getting Corey immediately. Yeah, if you, I'm saying if you want to, because he didn't, lo- he didn't lose the belt. If you need something for them to do, right? Yeah. If you need something for them to do, say it gets like a, it's like a real, fight between Aljo and Jan and they come out bloody and people need time to recover. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you don't want to keep them on the shelf. You want to make sure this division keeps moving. Then I think you give Dillashaw to Sanhagen and see what happens. Yeah. Cause I can't, I can't see unless Frankie can get his wrestling going. I can't see Frankie beating Corey Sanhagen. Yeah. I don't want to count Frankie Edgar out, but I, I agree. And I don't see why Frankie Edgar should fight Corey Sanhagen before Corey Sanhagen fights for the belt. Yeah. Cause, if he just, what, yeah, cause wouldn't he be the number one contender? And he, say, just he, beat just, the number one contender. he just beat the number one contender. He deserves yeah. the title shot. We should give him Cody. Yeah. There's plenty of options to yeah. do with Frankie. Like there's, there's a lot of options at 135, to be honest. Yeah. It, the, the division is not 125 where you're just like, what do I do? Who, who fights who? I don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> Like, you don't need to do that. I mean, shoot, if Dominic Cruz feels like coming back after that Henry Cejudo lost. And if Cejudo comes back, who knows, right? Yeah. They yeah. finally pay the king. Remember, <laughs> this is all the king of cringe kingdom. Right. This, this is his kingdom. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, let's move on to next week because next week we have a lot of interesting fights. I want to talk about Loma, but let's do uh, Korean Zombie and T-City first. Oh man, that's violence this is personified. Violence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your pick, first of all? <sighs> I got Korean Zombie all the way. I think that's what I want, just because I'm a I'm a big zombie fan. I want Zombie to get that title shot. But it's just so it's such an interesting style matchup because they're kind of like the same. T City might say- have T City might have like naturally better jujitsu. But I would say Korean Zombie's striking has gotten better to the point yeah. that it's, I think, better than T-City's significantly. Yeah. I think you can say they're the same in, because of their earlier fights, right? Mm-hmm. I think looking at Korean Zombie's earlier fight, the reason his name Zombie, after all, is because he used to like, just go in there, take hits, and give hits. But now it's like, he's much more technical. We don't, we don't know if T-City has gotten much more technical or not since mm-hmm. Holloway, right? We haven't seen him. This was a long time ago. Yes, it was. Yeah, but I know he got he got injured twice in that time. Like he was injured from the fight, and then he came back and he was supposed to fight Zombie last summer. Yes, and he, he, got, he got injured again. He tore his ACL. That's yeah, which is why we haven't seen this fight. So this fight has been. They've had like two years or something ridiculous to like watch each other and like prepare for each other. Mm-hmm. So I think whatever happens, this fight will be. It'll be a smart one with smart game plans. Yeah. But I think, you know? I think Zombie's uh, power is probably going to carry him to the victory there. And obviously, this is like the biggest. This is, this is for the title contender. This is who's going to fight Volkanovski next, right? Mm-hmm. Like 100%, I don't think there's any other fight where it's like, oh, yeah, someone else should fight Volkanovski. Unless, like, nope, there's no unless. This is it. Because, like, even if Max came back and were to beat somebody now, you can't give him a third one that quick. You got to have Volk fight somebody else. Right. Here's a, there's an interesting car, uh, fight on this card. Uh, Caitlin Chikagian is fighting Jester Andrade, who's moving up, right? Oh, interesting. Yeah, so she's Bet moving she... up. And I know Caitlin Chikagian is the number one contender, so if Andrade were to beat her, she would be the number one contender for uh, Valentina Shevchenko's belt. Yes. That is interesting. You're yeah. quite right. Number one and number two fighting. Women's yeah. flyweight. 
We won't I, be I don't know. I don't know why she's ranked number two at a flyweight. Maybe that's her ranking at. Yeah, that uh, might be her strawweight. Strawweight. That would be very interesting to just carry over that ranking. Yeah, she's number two at strawweight. I'm looking at right now. Yeah, so those are the two. I think the two fights we're paying attention to most on this card. Yeah, also I, I like Cyril Gain a lot too. So, but yeah, yeah, he's not should, like a should, crazy fight. It should be good. Yeah, I'm not sure who he's fighting. He's this Ante Dehia. Yeah. Like I have no clue. I. Oh, I did want to mention one other thing. Mm-hmm. Um. I can't pronounce his name, but Guron Kutlade, Lade. He is um, Hamza Chimaev's like best friend. Really? Yeah, and he. I remember when um, whatever card that was was that the Woodley and Covington card where Hamza fought on. Yes. So there were on the prelims. There was a dropout on that card and uh, Hamza was like basically like on Instagram begging Dana White to put him on put the other guy on the card he was like yo he'll fight for free he just wants to be in the UFC so okay and then three weeks later he signed he got signed to the UFC now he's on this card for reference uh Dave's referencing the prelims which start at four o'clock and that is the lightweight bout yeah it's the Um, feet the featured uh Featured lightweight belt, yeah. Like so, the prelims they have a featured fight that comes on right before the main card, and both of the guys are actually like unknown in terms of like it's going to be, I believe, their UFC debut. Yeah, Garam is eleven and two. The guy he's fighting, Matus Gamrod, is seventeen and zero. This is going to be very interesting. Wow. So the UFC did the equivalent of what you know the NBA does with Giannis's brothers and just sign somebody. Okay. Yeah. And then speaking of that, unless this is a pure coincidence, there is a Saeed Nurmagomedov on the, at the end of this. So I'm assuming <laughs> that is some relation to Khabib. Yeah. Speaking of uh, signing people's brothers, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah 135, 13, 13 and 2 though. So he's probably pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, let's let's talk about this Loma fight, man. Yeah, um, let me bring up the card because I feel like the card itself is actually really good as well. So, is this a pay per view? No, it's free. It's a free. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm, I was confused about this. Like, it's both on ESPN. I'm like, ESPN doesn't do pay per views. So, is Loma okay. fighting on a non PPV card? So, they don't have the card up on BoxRec. But if I'm not mistaken, they have um, Edgar Belanga. Oh, Baralanga, I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, who's one of their hottest prospects. He's like 13-0 with 13 knockouts, and they're all in the first round. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, interesting. Um, and then there's another, um, Clay Collard, who is like this. Um, he actually used to be an MMA fighter. He fought, I believe he fought Max in the UFC, if I'm not mistaken. And he um, turned into a professional boxer. Yeah, he was. he was saying that he was just trying to get fights wherever he could gotcha um but he's been kind of like on a tear lately so he um they brought him in to basically be like a body for prospects to fight Mm -hmm. and then so he was like four and two he lost to a prospect and then he's just been he's like six and oh He's been knock. He's been knocking out prospects left and right, basically. Hey, man, why not? Yeah, and then like make a career out of it. Yeah, so now like he's like become like this really popular guy in sport, and he's on the uh, he's on the undercard. And then there's also a really really good fight um, between Arnold Barboza Jr. and Alex Salcedo, which is going to be like a violent war. That's the co-main to the. Main event, but to say which, that's that's the co-main, right? Yeah, to Tiafimo yeah. and Loma, which is a pseudo uh, undisputed. So yeah, let's talk about Tiafimo and Lopa because there's four belts on the line right here. Technically, there's- no. So Lomachenko is the WBC franchise champion. 
which is like okay. I don't really know what that. I still don't know what it is. It's just more bullshit. So, <laughs> so he is only a th- so it's there's a only two no. franchise champions in the WBC, and the other one is Canelo Alvarez. So okay, um, technically the WBC champion is Devin Haney. Okay. But Lomachenko is the franchise champion, which was bestowed upon him. So there's the three belts. There's WBO, three belts. WBA. And, and then the IBF. IBF. With Teofimo Lopez. Yeah, with the but IBF. I think most people are operating under the pretense that this is the undisputed fight. That is certainly the pretense under which I'm operating. Because as yeah. much of a Devin Haney fan as I am, I'm going to go ahead and say Loma's probably... He, he's the email champion. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. It is what it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think they're they're advertising it. At, I think everybody is like operating under the sun, like including top rank and like sanctioned bodies. I think they're all operating under something that this is for undisputed. So yeah, it's really interesting here, right? Because I think this is a fight that we everyone kind of wants to see. It's one of the, I think one of the highest level fights this year in terms of boxing, right? Mm-hmm. I sure. would say so. Yeah. And it, it's it's going to be stylistically. I don't know which Loma against Pedraza looked like Loma had lost a step due to injury. To me, to me, like he still won. It was still a good win, but it definitely didn't look as dominant as he had pre-injury, right? Because he was coming off his like weird, like he had like I don't know if it was ACL tear. He tore his rotator cuff. Yes, rotator cuff. Yeah, and so, like. It was important because it was in his right arm, which is his lead arm. But also, he had one of his best punches is his right hook. He sets yeah. up a lot of his combinations with his right hook. Right hook he couldn't. Yeah. I don't know whether he couldn't do it in that fight or if he was still like kind of like feeling it out about it. Yeah. Um, but he didn't actually throw it until late, and that's when he actually started getting a lot of his combinations off and was dropping him. Was when he started throwing the right hook. And so I'm not taking anything away from Loma. I'm just curious to see if now that he's had enough time, it's been a while since he's fought, if that injury is gone, then maybe we see Loma back to normal and this is just a route, you know? Yeah, I think it's it's either going – it's going to go one of two ways. Okay. I think it's either going to be Teofimo is going to stop Loma. Like I'm, knock him out. Yeah. Or it's going to be – um, a boxing similar, it's going to be similar to Floyd Mayweather versus Canelo Alvarez, where I think that Teofimo is going to come out better from the loss, but it's going to be a route. Gotcha. And I'm leaning more towards that. I think, yeah, I think if Loma is Loma, which he should be, especially after all this time off and all the training, it's going to be, you know, a clinic on yeah. like great boxing, great footwork. Because I do think that Teofimo Lopez has all of the skills to beat Lomachenko. I just don't... I, well, I know for a fact that Teofimo Lopez has not seen anything remotely close to Lomachenko before. And with 400 amateur fights, I know that Lomachenko has seen something similar to, to Teofimo Lopez. Lopez. For sure. And, I mean, what do you think Lopez's biggest like strengths are? I mean, he can box. Let me let me not. Hundred percent. We're not he saying he can't really well, but his his saying strengths, you're not as good a boxer as Loma is not an insult. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. His <laughs> biggest strengths, though, to me, are his power. He has power in both hands. Right. And he is young and athletic. Right, I agree, and that's kind of what I was getting at. Right, like his strengths, I think, are are the particular things that like anyone needs to knock out Loma. Mm-hmm. The thing is, you just have to actually catch Loma. Yeah. And I think, so I think what's going to happen is everybody has always said, well, you know, Lomachenko only comes forward. We don't know how he is going back. So I think that's going to be what the game plan is from Teofimo Lopez. I'm just not sure if that's going to work. And I could be wrong. And I, like, yes, Loma only comes forward. We don't see him going back. But, like, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be very difficult to make him change his style. And Lomachenko is small for that weight. Admittedly, agreed. I think I think he is small for that weight. This is both of their last fights at one thirty-five. 
Okay. Yeah, because Tiafima Lopez cuts down from like 160. I was going to say, Tiafima is going to go up, right? Like, yeah, yeah he's, he's going, I think he's going up to 140. 140. And I think Lomachenko is going to go back down to 130. What's happening in my head is all the different fights that could happen for Loma at 130. Yeah, there's a lot. Because, yeah. Um, it probably exciting. won't be Jamel Herring, so I think he's going to retire because he just got the call for after the fight. So I think he's going to retire after mm-hmm. that. So, um, but, you know, Shakur Stevenson is there. Miguel Burchelt is there. Jojo Diaz, Tevin Farmer. Uh, Tank is, I guess Tank is there. Tank is, Tank is in shape and ready. So I think so. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but there's good fights at 134, of course. No, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, we talked about this Tevin Farmer fight almost a year ago now, maybe yeah. before that. I was like, I would like to see it. And you're like, why? I'm like, because I think it'd be interesting. It'd be boring like, for like casuals, but it'd be fun if you like boxing, I think. Yes. You know, I think people give Tevin Farmer a lot of like flack. But I think I enjoy him as a boxer. I think he's a wonderful example of good boxing skill. But, mm-hmm. Me too. But it is what it is. And I think he has a good story too. I think he's like a nice guy. Yeah. But yeah, I think just going back to the fight, I really like Tio. Uh, he's one of my favorite fighters. I just don't, I can't, I, I, feel, I feel like it's really hard to bet against Lomachenko. Betting against Loma is like betting against Khabib. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, like, you know what's going to happen. You know what he's going to do. And it's not a matter of like, okay, well, yeah, sure, he's going to do that, but what if this guy does this? What if this guy does this? Like, whatever anyone does, it doesn't matter. The game, the other person's game plan never matters because Loma just does what Loma wants to do. Khabib just does what Khabib wants to do, and that's kind of it. Right. And so we'll see. Well, do you think at 140 he's going to be much more successful? Like, in terms of, like, because he won't have to cut as much and he'll just, he'll just run through it? Uh, Otillo? Yeah. I don't know. I think it depends. I mean, those guys, there's some big guys at 140. That's, yeah, that's what I was kind of um, getting at. I'm curious you know, as um, to what you think. I think that, um, I guess we can talk about this in like some news and notes too. So, mm-hmm. um, Jack Catterall, who is the mandatory for the WBO belt, has agreed to step aside so that Jose Ramirez and Josh Taylor can fight for Undisputed with the stipulation that he is the immediate mandatory for the winner that's um, probably a smart money move for him right yeah so i but what i think i think win lose or draw for either one of them i think they're both moving up to 147 next so okay he the winner the winner is fighting bud crawford for sure 100 <laughs> percent. i know i already I already know what's going on there the winner of that fight is fighting bud crawford they're both on top right so that's kind of an easy fight for bud isn't it um, I think if somehow Jose Ramirez wins, I think that that's going to be one of the easiest fights in Bud's career. Yeah. Um, Josh Taylor is interesting because I think that they're actually very similar. Okay. Um, so I think that'll be an interesting fight at 147. But uh, I'm not a big fan of Jose Ramirez, but that's just me. Um, so if what I think is right and the winner moves up and vacates all four belts, I think that that division is wide open for anybody. I think hey, I think Haney is going to be on his way up there too soon. So makes sense to me. Yeah. I think that's all we had for today. Unless we don't want to start talking about Khabib Gaethje now, do we? No. Um, I did want to mention uh, Tank's fight move back a week. Oh yeah, I forgot yeah. to to mention that. Yeah, Tank um, Tank's fight. Tank fight. Tank's fight has moved back to Halloween and it's moved to the Alamo Dome and they're going to have fans. I don't know how many fans, but there are going to be fans there. Um, Tank looks in shape, which is what I'm happy about. He's going to make weight. That's, that's all I care. Yeah, it was interesting. I never remember when we first talked about this fight, we were like, why is there like a 135 belt and a 130 belt? Yes. On the line. And someone pointed out to me that it was like, Maybe it's because if Tank misses weight, there still can be a belt on the line. Oh, wow. That's actually really smart. If Tank misses weight, there's still a belt. Okay. So they would just – but don't you have to register the belt that you're fighting for? For 
Look, I don't know. The belt, <laughs> I don't the belt know. Was on, they, they announced it. The belt was on the line. They're both tanks belts, so I guess it makes sense, right? Well, Leo's belt. Leo has the 130 belt. Yeah, I'm no, sorry. One, Leo has the 130, and then Tank has the 135. Okay, yeah. yeah. He has the 135 regular, and Leo has the 130 super. Yeah, we need a, like a graph or something. Yeah, but either way. I never thought, I never really thought about that, but that's really interesting. That is that is really interesting. You know, Leo has the reach advantage. I didn't know that either, and he's taller. I mean, that'll change something. But we'll, I mean, we'll yeah, talk about not, that. we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that fight later. But like that, that is something I didn't yeah. consider. I just think Tank's gonna knock him out. So who cares? Yeah. The one interesting thing about them moving it is that it now competes with um, Naoya Inoue's American debut. Mm. Yeah. So probably not the run the dual screens. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah and I then think... like just one last thing, sort of similarly. Um Errol Spence and Danny Garcia's fight will also now have fans at the uh, ATT Stadium, the Cowboy Stadium. You know, I'm really interested in like how Spence where does well, well? This is a this is a topic for another time. I just don't know what the career trajectory is at this point, mm-hmm. and like how this is gonna go. What do you mean? Because of the accident? Because of the accident coming back, the quarantine. There's just so many things that have happened to Errol Spence. Yeah, that it's really hard to 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 predict like where he's gonna land if that makes sense, and if he should even be boxing. And this fight will answer a lot of questions. I feel mm-hmm. like. I agree. He does look good. He looks yeah, good in training. He does. Um, but he also hasn't started to cut the weight yet. So, and we're obviously we're praying for him and hope, wishing him the best. Nothing but the best. But it is going to be a very big, like sort of like, huh, moment. Like, how much did that actually matter? You know. Right. And then I guess like the last news and notes I can think of is uh, Deontay Wilder fired his trainer. I the, that pissed me off. I don't. Do you want to talk about that? Like, you're a Deontay Wilder fan. So, I don't know how you're a Deontay Wilder fan still, but you are. I think you're yeah. a fan of him because of his story more so than, yeah. like... Oh, yeah, that's my guy. Yeah. That's my guy. Um, so, Mark Breland, um, phenomenal boxer in his own right. Incredible boxer, yeah. Probably, probably, you know, if you're, like, unbiased, he might be the best amateur boxer of all time. Um, if not the best, one of the best. He's sure. number two. I think if, if if you have Lomachenko at one, I think the, I think two. the only and this is be a real quick change. I think the only arguments that can be made are probably for Rigondeaux, Lomachenko, and uh, Teofio Stevenson. Gotcha. Everybody, I think those are the only people that I can see anyone having over Mark Breland. Breland. I think Mark Breland, I personally think Mark Breland is over all of them except for maybe Lomachenko. But that's that's just because of the two gold medals. Anyway, um, so Mark Breland has been Deontay Wilder's, I guess, co-trainer for his whole yeah, career. He's been an assistant coach or something. Yeah. Um, and it was a bit of controversy within the camp because Breland threw in the towel against Fury, which was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. Um, I don't I'm not a fan of fighters wanting to go out on their shield because I don't think that there's any purpose for that in prize fighting because it's prize fighting. Not and it's like, you don't have a shield. You have a hundred million dollars. Why die for it? Yeah. I mean, I can, I get, I get it wanting to fight. I'm not, I'm not condoning quitting or whatever, but I understand. That's not quitting. If someone throws in, if your trainer throws in the towel for you. Yeah. But you know, that's not, you know, it's, Boxing is a very macho sport, you know. Very much so. I mean, yeah. it is what it is. Um, so I think it was a good decision. You think it was a good decision. Most people think it was a good decision. Um, Deontay Wilder expressed that he wasn't a fan of that decision. He wanted he didn't want anybody to make that decision for him. And he expressed that he wanted to go out on his shield. Um just to touch on that also. I'm- I'm going to say this before you go on. I'm going to say this. I respect the hell out of Deontay Wilder. I respect the hell out of every single fighter. And I understand as someone who's gotten in the ring multiple times himself, the idea of like, yo, 
Let me just fight. Whatever happens, happens. Give me this time to be me. I am not saying I don't get that because I've been getting my ass whooped in the ring before and I've told my coach, yo, don't worry about this. Let me see this out. Sometimes it's worked out. Sometimes it hasn't. However, at that level, you need people with your best interests. The way that Deontay Wilder was getting beat on in that fight, Breland had his best interests for him. You don't fire the guy that had your best interests. I understand being mad at him. I understand being like, yo, like, get away from me for a couple months, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I understand there's a lot of things you can do and should do, even if you're like, all right, we're going to, like, just not talk for a year. I get it. But at the end of the day, you got to remember, there's some serious brain damage that could have happened in that fight. There's some serious long-term medical effects. Firing this guy who clearly had your best interests at heart is the wrong thing to do. But anyways, with that said, I of course respect Deontay Wilder's opinion and I understand it. And it's, you know, when you're in the ring, sometimes you want to be in the ring. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I had to, I had uh, to say that. And that's important to say because, you know, boxing is a very cold sport. There's not a lot of guys in the sport that... I said, let me not say that. It's hard to find true, genuine people in boxing. Like, people who care about you enough to throw in the towel. At the risk of you hating them, right? Yeah. And, you know, I do not like Jay Diaz, his main trainer. I That's the that, white guy, Yeah, right? I think he's an idiot. I think he doesn't know shit about boxing. <laughs> <laughs> I think he... I think. I don't like Jay Diaz. I don't think that he needs to be anywhere near that corner. And I understand there's a loyalty aspect there. But I think, if anything, you know, Mark Breland is the only person in that corner who has been in that ring, who has been in tough with guys, who has been in, who has the experience and the knowledge and the wherewithal to, like, guide someone through. And maybe whether you want him to be your main trainer or not, I think that he's a valuable person to have in that corner. And I don't think that that is a good, I don't think it's a good look for him to have fired him, especially since it doesn't, at least as of yet, doesn't seem to be a replacement for him. So. I mean, I'm just thinking what's going to happen in the next fight when he fights Fury again and like, there's nothing to indicate that anything different will happen. Fury hasn't gotten any worse and there's nothing to show. And maybe Deontay Wilder has gotten 10 times better. I don't know, but there's nothing to show that their levels are the same. Now Mm -hmm. you need someone there to to have your back in in that situation. And I'm, I'm not one of these idiots that says like, Oh, Deontay Wilder shouldn't fight Fury. Of course he should. It's first of all, Deontay Wilder can always knock anyone out. So why not get in that ring? Number two, he's going to get paid $100 million to do it. Why the fuck wouldn't he do it? That makes no sense not to. But if you are going to take that risk and go into that dangerous situation, have the guy that had your back with you, not the guy that just agreed with you. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I think the, the worst thing you can have in boxing is a yes man. Scary-ass sport to have a yes man in. Anyways. That's it, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think on that note, that's all we had. Um, there's not, there's a lot of MMA coming up, but we're going to save, I think, some of that talk for when we get closer, as we are now much more consistent with releasing episodes. Um, yeah. So thanks for listening. As always, we're just two fans talking shit. Don't get too offended. Don't take us too seriously, but feel free to leave comments and follow us on Twitter and everything else. Yep. And always remember the golden rule. <laughs> All right, yeah, peace and love.